The Miriam Project Gaula Hour is a worldwide call to action to help raise our awareness that we're living in the times of the Gaula Shlema, the final redemption. Join Yehudis Shamroth from Israel as she interviews a variety of respected individuals on the topics of the end of days, the impending Gaula Shlema, and the coming of Mashiach soon in our days. Amen. And now, here is Yehudis Shamroth. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Miriam Project Geula Hour podcast. You hear us on SoundCloud. My name is Yehuda Shamroth, and I'm talking to you from the beautiful rolling hills of Ramat Beit Shemesh, where I can look out my window and see the Judean hills all around me. To the front of me is Ephrat. To the left of me is Yerushalayim. To the right of me is Chavron. I can't see them exactly because I have hills in the way, but I'm very close to everything. And I have a very, very special guest with me today. His name is Adam Eliyahu Berkowitz. He's a featured writer for Breaking Israel News. And as one of his uh, of, uh, editors said, he was the world top biblical journalist. And I agree with that. There are I'm many the journalists. Only. <laughs> my friend, so I can tell you, I know there are others, but you are the top. And oh. uh, so there's a site that he writes for. It's very important to note. It's called Breaking Israel News. And it's known, known as the latest news from the biblical perspective. So it's a very attractive site for news for both Christians and Jews. Uh, Eliyahu makes it very interesting, finds all kinds of wonderful topics to write about, which he will explain. He made Aliyah to Israel in 1991. He served in the IDF as a combat medic. Combat medic. <laughs> Berkowitz uh, studied Jewish law and received rabbinical ordination in Israel. And he has worked as a freelance writer um, for many years. Um, and he also authored two works of fiction that are published, one called The Hope Merchant, the other called Dolphins on the Moon. And they're both available on Amazon. We'll give you some details about that later. And he has written over 2,500 articles, mostly related to the Geula. Eliyahu met his wife, a dear friend of mine, Devorah Gila Berkowitz. Uh, she, also, she actually started this project with me a few years back, and she went on to bigger and better things. And i kind of holding the fort down, and she comes on once in a while as a guest. Um, he met his wife in Bat Ayan, and then six years ago, they moved to the Golan Heights, where they live now with their four children. Hello, Adam Eliyahu, Berkowitz, how are you? Hi, Yehudis. Hi. Thank God. Thank God. Listen, tell us some. I've been doing a little research on you because I didn't want to come in cold. Uh, I know your wife so much better, um, and you both have a big Gaula consciousness, and I've known that for a long time. And so I don't know why I didn't ask you earlier, so I apologize <laughs> for that, uh, to have you on, because I know that you're probably the foremost authority on so many things, c- considering all the articles you've written. No, I speak to more the about foremost your... authorities. I, I interview the foremost authorities. <laughs> I, I myself am so a little much. guy, but, but I know a lot of amazing people. You do. I used to write so much. Um, and I hang on everything. I will follow you very closely. Um, in fact, I was just watching an interview uh, by your editor. Uh, you can hear some editor, or you can hear some interviews by Eliyahu. We like to call him Eliyahu, too, um, uh, on YouTube called The Final Battleground of Ishmael and Asaf, which is happening now in Lebanon. So, Eliyahu, you've done some very interesting things that everybody could learn from. But first, tell us a little bit about yourself in terms of how you came to be interested in writing about the Geula. Well, um, I, I, I mean, it may sound strange to some people that at one point I was uh, working in uh, French restaurants in Manhattan and in my spare time hanging out in biker bars or, or going to Grateful Dead shows. Um, mm-hmm. But that's actually pretty standard in Israel. You know, a lot of, a lot of amazing stories about how people find their way um, up to the mountain. Uh, 
but when I, I learned in, a, in the yeshiva in Bahrain for nine years, and my approach to Judaism was pretty much, you know, just do the commandments and live a, live a good lifestyle, and that was it. And, you know, spirituality and prayer and everything I could get. Um, and I was never into Messiah or a third temple, and I was certainly not into connecting with Christians. Um, and when we moved up here, uh, I couldn't get a job. I couldn't get a job cooking. And I loved, I, my, my passion was always writing. So my wife, my amazing wife, um, who has uh, Ruch Kodesh, who has uh, some kind of prophetic spirit, told me to start writing freelance. And that eventually led me to get a job with Breaking Israel News. And uh, my boss, Tuli Weiss, he said, okay, you have to write, you know, two stories a day about about Geula, about the redemptive process that's unfolding in Israel. And I really needed a job, so I was like, sure, no problem. And inside I was thinking to myself, I'm really not interested in this, and there's no way that I can write so much about a subject I'm not interested in and a subject that I'll have to make up because it's not happening. But the fact is that once I started looking, things really fell in my, in, in my lap, like almost right away, um, my articles were getting a lot of attention because there's a lot of interest and there are really things happening. It's not made up. Um, and when, when I was faced with the reality that, that Geula, that redemption is actually happening in very real steps um, and things are changing and moving forward in unprecedented ways, when I was faced with that, I had no choice but to say, you know, it's happening. And that included Third Temple. And the whole thing about the Christians, I was never into interfaith. I was never into, you know, lovey-dovey, let's, you know, sing Kumbaya and hang out around the campfire. That was certainly not my, 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 uh, my way. Um, but when I started looking there, I quickly discovered so many things happening, so many unexpected, unprecedented um, Things that, that just, I mean, it, it just, and when you start connecting that to the idea of house of prayer for all nations, being a light unto the nations, you realize that Judaism cannot be insular. We have, we have a place to serve, to, we are the conduit. And that very quickly showed me that something is happening because, come on, I mean, look at Jewish history with Christianity. It was certainly unprecedented. So through my job, I was forced to relate to, witness, connect with, write about um, a lot of amazing things. And after that, you just can't go back to the farm. It's, things have changed. <laughs> so that's kind of how I ended up there. Wow, it's amazing because I, to read your articles, one would think that you've been entrenched in this for so many years that it's just finally, <laughs> you know, he had to write about it. <laughs> so yeah. not, so not. But what, what amazes me is that, that people can see these things and still say, oh, it's always been that way, or oh, that doesn't mean anything. After a while, it's just like, dude, you're not looking at, you're not looking at reality. Exactly. And I uh, actually was turned on to this idea myself by uh, Rabbi Pinchas Winston from Telstone. Ooh. Uh, Ooh, I my, oh, my gosh, what an amazing man. Yes. I mean, this, yes, and, he and, and he's uh, I, 
he's very understated, under the radar, but he's the person that Absolutely. got me going and many thousands of others. Um, and he was talking about this for so long, and I would people think would think I was crazy for even discussing this issue, I would say, back in the early 2000s. And now it's a really the geula and the final redemption are pretty much household words, which also tells you something that thanks to people like you who write for us and people like me, I would just not pat myself on the back, but I'm just saying you, me, your wife, people like Rabbi Winston, just talking about it and not letting it go. It's finally caught on. And also you can't ignore things you can't ignore, like the, right. the fact that the country is a beautiful, you know, uh, a thriving uh, economy and we have all kinds of, uh, of you know, aliyah happening, many, many people moving here. Mm. In fact, From you know, the craziest places, totally unexpected. Unexpected, and it's uh, my my my. Um, I'm I'm actually a convert, and my cousins who would never in a million years think about Israel came on a trip last mm. week. They were here over the hugging, and they and I it was so exciting to me because they came on a big Christian tour, and they love Israel. And I'm and my wildest dreams would I never expect any of my cousins to take such an interest and care so much about Israel and come to visit. And they were here for nearly a month. It was um, anyway. So that's I really want to talk Yehudi, to you. So this, I have a question for you then. We, we know that the Messiah comes with uh, in-gathering of the exiles. Why would you possibly think that that only refers to Jews? No, I didn't think that at all. And that's, not, and that's a topic we would, could discuss sometime. Not at all. Right. I never think it's for just Jews. Of course We're it's for the whole world. We're in-gathering from all over. Uh, yeah, I didn't think my family in particular would have that interest because they never <laughs> paid much attention to it before. And then suddenly, Pitone, they show up here, uh, different family members who are taking more of an interest thanks to my postings on Facebook about the Geula and things that I share of yours. I mean, it's really catching on in the sense that people are, they're waiting, the world is waiting for this, not just Jews, obviously. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and people who say, you know, oh, the Messiah didn't, how do you know? How do you know? You didn't, your eyes are closed. You know, it amazes me that so many things that happen, uh, events that I go through, like, for example, um, over, over Sukkot, they had, they had the water libation ceremony. Okay. Yeah, they, they, to us, to those of us, those of us who don't know all the details, and, and why you feel like that's specifically connected to the Geula, you know, at this time and, and always. Oh my goodness! Well, one of the functions of the Messiah is the Mashiach ben Yosef. Uh, no, I'm sorry, Mashiach ben David is to is to rebuild the temple. And I mean, you can say what you want, whether or not there'll be sacrifices. There's a whole big discussion. But we, we can't ignore the fact, as, as Jews, we can't ignore the fact that there's a mitzvah, there's a commandment that we need to have a temple and that we, can own, and that we have to do the temple service. Okay, it's, it's, it's certainly not precedented in the exile, but it's certainly the only way we can, uh, we can be in Israel. Um, when, they, when they came back from, 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 from Babel, there was, a, there was an altar even before the second temple. So this is something we have to relate to. And if we're going to do that, for practical reasons, there's a buildup. You can't just jumpstart it. And that's what's actually been happening for several years. Um, there's, there, there are now, so for, for several years, um, you had some people getting together and kind of doing something, and it was kind of almost like a, like, like a, like a, a, a school play for, for little children. It was not really serious. But every year it gets more serious. They do it on Passover where they actually, now they're actually slaughtering a, a, a a Passover lamb, and the, the Kohanim are wearing full clothes. Um, they don't wear the, the real clothes because for, for various halacha, uh, uh, law reasons. Um, and every year they've been adding a little more. So on Sukkot, um, they do what's called the water libation, 
which was done in the temple. It's not explicitly described in the, in the Torah, but it was a part of the temple service where the, the, the people would accompany the priests. They'd go down to the, to the Shiloach pool. Uh, mm-hmm. the, 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 uh, how do they call it? Siloam. Uh, what's known in Arabic as Siluan. They walk down. They have, a, they, they have a special gold jug. They fill up with water. They bring it back up. And it's, it's, it's supposed to be an especially joyous ceremony. And then they pour out water and wine. And it's the only time of the year that water is used as a libation. And that's specifically because um, that's when we start praying for rain. Oh. And, and what amazed me was I would go to everyone and there would be like, you know, if you go to the, like, for example, they do the, the, the Kohanic blessing on Sukkot and you go in, you can, there's, it's like barely standing room in the, in the Kotel Plaza. There are 50,000 people there. And then you go to a reenactment of the temple and there may be, you know, 50 people there. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of discouraging. Yeah, this but, year. but people don't know. But can you just explain to us, listening, because um, um, I'm just learning about this myself. I've known about it, different people trying to connect uh, what, what, what connect to what we will be doing in the future. So you're saying there are groups of people who are gathering now and trying to reenact certain uh, uh, rituals and things that we will be doing when the third temple is here, so we don't, so we know what to do. Are they following exactly? Oh, what it's, Jewish, it's, they're not it's much further that. along than that, but yeah, yeah. They're doing it in a very um, uh, serious way. You're saying so they have oh, people who are Kohanim or the high priests. You have people what they call the Sanhedrin involved, correct? Correct. And correct. then, um, and then, who are these people, and how, where are they coming from, and how are how do we know to take them seriously? In other words, I mean, they're, how do, they're the crazies that the media loves to to to, to poke fun at. But they're actually, they're, first of all, the rabbis are very serious, um, and they're very, it's, it's, it's kind of um, hypocritical, but outside of these efforts to, to jumpstart the third temple or to, to prepare for the third temple um, and to, to actively bring about a Sanhedrin, um, they're taken very seriously. And then as soon as they start talking about these things, people are like, oh, no, 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 which is there's, there's a level of hypocrisy, you know. <laughs> I mean, yeah. they are actively doing this. And what's crazy is, that, and my, my point was, there's so few people who are open to it, mm. who, who open their eye. It happens under our very noses, and people don't see it. It blows me away. I mean, they're actually this, making, they're making uh, uh, an instruments and, uh, what I say with the word, English word for kalim, uh, whatever we have, we have all the kalim on Hanukkah. Last Hanukkah, last year. You have the Kohanim and everything. They're making everything. They built, they Torah, built an right? actual altar out of a foamed concrete. It's totally kosher, um, meaning it's okay to use. It's not the ideal. The ideal is from uncut stones that have been brought up to the Temple Mount. But they built an altar out of blocks that are cemented together, and the whole thing is on a metal frame. It can be lifted onto a truck, and that's the altar. So if, and I, I wrote an article about this, and I asked them, if the government said, the only thing preventing us is the government, if the government said, okay, you can do, you can do sacrifices, go. From that word go, how long would it take us to actually start doing sacrifices? To act, actually start it. I was shocked. Four hours. Wow. Everything is ready. 
Everything is in place. Wow, it's amazing. Because we are you, four, we are four hours away from Geula. <laughs> but the Geula is going to happen with or without this being ready, or we have to be, I mean, how is this all well, timing of the Geula, I mean, in your well, opinion? If, if, if the Geula happens and we're not ready to do what we're supposed to be doing, that would be kind of sad. Yeah. So, so really, okay. it's amazing, four hours, four hours. And this is what we should be doing. It's, you know, there's this, there's this opinion um, that the temple will drop down from heaven. And like my friend Alan says, it'll have a golden floor because uh, <laughs> it'll squash them up. But there's an opinion that the, um, that the temple will drop down from heaven. So it's thereby, therefore kind of forbidden for us to make the temple. That is a Jewish urban myth. It has no source in, 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 the, in, the, in the Jewish, in the, in the rabbinic uh, literature. Wow. There's, we are, there's a dispute whether or not we will finish the temple before the Messiah or, after, or we will begin it and then the Messiah comes in. But what's for sure is that the, the, at least part of the temple will be standing when the Messiah comes. And we have a commandment to make it. And Jew, as Jews, we're not allowed to ask, you know, you know, we're not allowed to pick and choose. We have a mitzvah. We have to do it. We have a mitzvah to, to build the temple. Oh, where was that? I forget which prophet it was. Oh, my gosh. It was one of my favorite quotes where God basically says, you know, hey, you know, to the Jews who came back from Babel, he said, hey, you know, you're sitting in nice houses, and I don't have a house. And that's, what, that's the situation we're in. Well, and and they, at least had, they at least had an altar and, were bringing, and had the temple service. So the building of the temple should be first and foremost in our minds right now, right? This is something we should Absolutely. Is it the Temple Institute people that are rabbis that are spearheading this right now? They're not spearheading it, but they're, I mean, they started it. I have, I, have, I have so much respect for Rabbi Richmond. Yeah. He was, I mean, he, he should be blessed for being a pioneer to bring the third temple. Um, it's he, uh, but this is, this, there's so many people involved. And another important aspect of this is the Temple Mount, which now it gets kind of political, just going up there, just going up there. And that has been increasing by leaps and bounds. Last month, there were more Jews on the Temple Mount than since the temple was destroyed. Wow. I right. saw there were many thousands of people that visited the old city. For sure, and I mean, we see these and numbers. A lot of them go up to the temple now, and this is with all the restrictions. It's not they're, they're trying to. I mean, they're not actually not trying to stop it anymore. A lot of that had to do with the, with the government, uh, and they're aware that there's going to be a shift. And it is we're we're very very close to 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 having Jewish prayer on the temple now. And I think the only thing that stopped the third temple is that we haven't been on the Temple Mount praying for it. Because even the, even the Muslims look at us and say, you can't pray up there because they know that our prayer counts. Our prayer carries a punch. So they don't want us to pray up there. <laughs> Thought of it that way, you know, because they, they do. As other, the nations of the world know they're waiting for us. And I think I heard you say in an interview that they're looking to us to be the Orlegoyim. They want us to be Jews. Isn't that what you said or something like yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, sure. They want sure. to be also, who we are. And we don't always also, rise to the occasion. 
also there's a there's a well there's a there's a there's a sugya there's a part with the Talmud um, that talks about uh, how Jews are not allowed to be entirely happy since the destruction of the temple. Correct. And then it goes into describing how that's why we break a glass at weddings. And then it asks the question: When can we be happy? When can we be fully happy as Jews? When the nations, Psalm one twenty six. When the nations come to us and tell us, wow, it's amazing what God did for you, the Jews. When they do that, then we can be happy because the temple is half a step away. Well, what, in your mind, what, makes it, uh, what, what writings did you do that convinced you that this, we're really living in the days of Geula right now? I mean, I'm sure every single one you wrote, but what, what ones uh, stand out in your mind? Um, gosh, um, I should have asked you that ahead of time. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you, so far as, um, I, I, I think the, the, the as I said, like in Psalm 126, mm-hmm. the non-Jews are an essential part of the temple process. I mean, how do we know, you know, when there's a third temple, the Messiah is here, you know, it's, it's not. You know, that's what's going to happen. That's the end of the exile. The end of the, we're still in exile until we have that temple. I'll tell you a story. This is a really cool story. It, 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 I think it's, this was one of the pivotal um, stories in the past two years. Okay. I, it, because it was my job, I was writing about this Christian thing. And I'd been connecting with some amazing people. But then they gave me the story to write about there was a, there was a pastor, a, a pastor's name was Dean Bai, and he was in Canada. And he actually has a, an organization that does amazing stuff in Israel for, uh, for new immigrants and soldiers. Amazing man. Um, and one day, one of, his, one of his people came up to him and said, you know, I had a dream that I had to buy 10 white trucks for Israel. And he was a successful businessman. So he went out and he bought 10 big GMC pickups with the double rear wheels and you know, really, I mean, when you get 10 of them together, it's quite a sight. But mm-hmm. he said, so what are we going to do with it now? We have trucks. So they said, well, let's drive from side to side in Canada, from coast to coast, and collect money for Israel. So they're like, great. So they get in their trucks, and they, they start driving. And their first stop, they go to a church to collect money for Israel, and they give their speech, and everyone's excited. Um, and then... Um, at the, the, Dean Bai had this impulse, and he said, okay, we're collecting money. We're also collecting any old gold and silver you have. And he was thinking, you know, the earrings or whatever, you know, old silverware, whatever people had. People lined up and started taking off their wedding ring. Wow. And they said, we want to sanctify. I'm going to cry if I tell you this. <laughs> I'm really going to cry because I saw the videos of these people giving testimony to what they did. And they said, we want to sanctify our marriage and our love to the God of Israel. Amazing. And I realized, and I'm like, I looked at that and I said, you know, there's always this fear that, that, that Christians who support Israel, they have an ulterior motive, they have an agenda that they're going to try to convert us and, and I looked at that and I said, you know, 
You can do a lot of things in the name of subterfuge, of hiding an agenda, but you don't do that. They collected $2 million worth of wedding rings. Oh, my God. Amazing. And they melted them down and made new rings, and they had ceremonies in Israel where they invited, they invited Holocaust survivors and they knelt at their feet and put the rings on. I mean, now I am going to cry. <laughs> and they said, just as the gold and silver was snatched away from you in hatred, we want to return it in love. Oh, my gosh. And I said, right. And I said, you can do a lot of things, but you don't do that. That is the purest act of love that I could ever imagine. And after that, I realized it was, I mean, I saw undeniably in front of my face, not all, not the other, but there are certainly some, even a lot of Christians who realize that the covenant is still around, and that the covenant with God is through Israel. We serve as a conduit. We serve. Right. Not the Vatican, not, and not anything else. And I'm not going to go into deep theology, but I looked at that and I said, this just does not make any sense. If you look at 2,000 years of Jewish history, especially current in the last 100 years, there is connection, a loving connection between Jews and Christians, a symbiotic relationship to serve God, not only is entirely unprecedented, it doesn't make sense. Something is happening here. Well, exactly. This is all part of the process that we have to be aware of. That the, the, It's all part of prophecy, that the, the Christians or the Goyim, the nations, uh, will be available to us to, as Rivka Lambert wrote in her book, Ten from the Nations, that you know, mm-hmm. they'll be wake up themselves, and they might, might even wake us up. <laughs> you know, we have exactly. to be aware of that, and we just have to, have to be cautious, though, because in the sense that you can't trust every single person that walks into your house when they say they're doing a good thing, you have to make sure you just you know who you're dealing with, too, because there are some Christians out there who do want to, um, proselytize. They really are. So we oh, have- I have been. And there's worse than proselytizing. There's worse than proselytizing. I have been. I have never experienced anti-Semitism like I, like I've experienced it in the last year. Um, a, and I'm realizing. I'm sorry. Because of your writings. I think just because I'm out there more, and yeah. I'm connecting with Christians. And it used to be that if I didn't care to hear from them, I would. You know, they weren't there. Um, but now I'm seeing it, and it's really um, – um, I don't know how much Christians know about replacement theology, but that is I, – I just wrote an, uh, an op-ed today. Replacement theology, which is the belief that um, – which is the belief that the Jews dropped the ball, we sinned, so therefore um, uh, the covenant was canceled, and they replaced us in the covenant with God. Right. That – Right. That theology, first of all, is the basis for anti-Semitism, because you can't have that theology and be confronted by a Jew standing in front of you, because our very existence means that the covenant is still around, even more so now that Israel exists. 
And I have this theory that, I mean, I, I'm not, I don't mean it to be detrimental or to say anything bad about, about Catholics, um, because there are a lot of amazing Catholics and, they, and, and, and priests, and there's a long history of so many wonderful people who have, who have, who have, who have served their belief in God through, through um, amazing acts. But at the same time, the Vatican was, in, was specifically built in its physical details as well as its theological basis to replace the temple. And if we build the third temple, there's no way there can be a Vatican. They can't coexist. Mm-hmm. You can't have two temples. Even in, even in Catholicism, there was a time they had two temples, and they couldn't. So this is, a, this is your next video <laughs> to talk about <laughs> the Battle of Asaph <laughs> and, well, um, and the well, over in Rome, because this is going to be, they say, this is what I've heard too, with Rabbi uh, Mendel Kessin and people like that who say our final um, challenges, let's say, battle or whatever you want to call in history will be uh, Yishmael and Asaph together. Absolutely. And, because and we're seeing gonna, that all over the world. We're seeing that uh, all over the world. All over the world. Yeah. Be against the Jewish people being, um, you know, being, uh, bringing the ones, bringing the, the Geula or bringing the final redemption and so on. So that's your, that, that would suggest that as another uh, interview for your, your next uh, YouTube video. I, I mean, you know, I mean, that's the thing that that's, that's one of the, I mean, in order, there's sometimes that in order to go along with a certain agenda, you have to dumb yourself down. Um, the fact that, that Western culture aligns with, with, with Islam totally ignores the, the history between Islam and Western culture. If you see Western culture, Rome, um, Christianity is as, as, as one aspect of Aesop. Um, they have always been at war with Islam. And it's not a theological thing. It is also a theological thing. But it's very biblically based. It is Aesop and Ishmael. And they cannot coexist. They will battle each other. But that really comes to the forefront and really kicks in when Yaakov comes into the picture. And that's us. And we have to be strong. We have the Yaakov. Rabbi Winston says you can be the Yaakov, well, you can actually be Yaakov, which really represents Jewish people outside of Israel, or you can be Israel, who are the Jewish people inside of Israel. Israel is a, higher, know, level of, a higher level Yaakov, basically. You know, I used to, I used to think that um, the, the Jews outside of Israel were the Arab Rav, um, <laughs> the mixed multitude. Yeah. And then it was pointed out to me that the Arab Rav when God said, leave Egypt, they went. But 80% of the Jews stayed in Egypt. Correct. And they were not even good enough to be the Arab Rav. Ooh. Rav is... The concept. <laughs> wow. So uh, uh-huh. listen, tell us a little bit about what people should look forward to. What, what are your... Uh, you can't make predictions or anything, but what is, what is a trend that you see happening now with, uh, like, the Temple Mount uh, um, issues and also... Um, well, Gilad or Dan, they, may, they try to downplay it. More of the Gilad happening? Gilad or Dan has said, has said several times that there's going to be, he said it's inevitable. He's the uh, internal security minister. And he's in charge of it. Who and he has, he has who said, I'm sorry? I'm sorry, I was speaking over you. I apologize. Who are you speaking about? Gilad or Dan. He's the okay. internal security minister of Israel. Um, and he made the big change. Once he came in, he just totally realigned the, the police and um, there's a big Geula secret in that. 
And he has been quoted recently as saying it is inevitable that there will be Jewish prayer up on the Temple Mount very soon. Amen. <laughs> and I, it, 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 there's, there's so much to say about it on a practical level, um, such as the numbers of people going up, such as Israeli law actually requires and mandates. Uh, I, I, what we're talking about is a humanitarian issue because what we're saying is that um, it's a racist policy that, that non-Muslims cannot pray up there. That's, that's racist. You know, it, it's racist in the extreme degree. It cannot stand. But the real secret... You wrote the article, wasn't it, about Ben Shapiro, right? Right, Ben Shapiro. And I think that's why he made a, 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 why he did what he did. It wasn't just because he's a religious Jew, and it wasn't just because he's a conservative Republican. I think it had more to do with the fact that he is anti-racism. And it's a racist policy. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's horrifying, but it's really, it's, a, it's, a, it's the, who was the Nazi... Uh, the Goebbels, the Nazi propaganda minister, um, you know, where, where, they, where they tell the opposite of the truth and so people believe them because they say no one could lie that much. When there was just a, a Holocaust a survivor who was speaking at a university and Palestinian students said there's ethnic cleansing and a genocide going on in Israel. And the fact is the two-state solution, which is kind of like the final solution, is actually ethnic cleansing. It's explicitly ethnic cleansing. Gaza is ethnically cleansed. You remove all of the Jews and you leave the Palestinians. But meanwhile, in Israel, Palestinians live here. It is ethnically cleansing Jews from regions of the world. And I think that's why Ben Shapiro did it. Hmm. It's because he he opposes racism. Anyone who supports the two-state solution is explicitly a racist. Because you're saying Jews have to be removed. Jews may not live. They may not exist in certain parts of the world. That's the two-state solution. That's what happened, the expulsion from Gaza, from Gush Katif. It's ethnic cleansing. It's, it's racism on a level we haven't seen since World War II. But the real secret, the real secret, is when Gilad Erdan became internal security minister, he appointed a new police chief to be in charge of the Temple Mount. And his name is Yehoram Yoram Halevi. Wow. Yoram Halevi. He is a Levite. Now, if you read the man's background, he is one of the most hardcore anti-terror fighters we have in Israel. This man is just, you know, and I've met him, and he's he's smiley and nice, and he's always laughing and he's pleasant. But if you put him up against, 20 terrorists, he's going to walk out with a big smile and there will be 20 less terrorists in the world. He is, he is tough as nails. And, I, and, and, I, and, and the man knows he's a lady and he takes his role very seriously because the Levim, the ladies, were supposed to guard over the Temple Mount. And today we have a Levi, a Levite, guarding over the Temple Mount. So of course the place is going to flourish. It's amazing. Things are falling into place whether we plan it or not. It's just happening. Wow. That's incredible. Uh-huh. So summing up everything you've said so far, and we can, we can even end with this, um, you were telling us that uh, what brought you into writing about the Ka'ula is just 
getting a job writing about the Kaula, but what didn't take you very long to see that all the events that were unfolding in this country and outside this country pointed only to, it could only be, it's so obvious, right. it could only be the Kaula Shalema. And it got you very right. excited about writing it, correct? Now you love right. your job? <laughs> <laughs> I love my job. I love the people I work with. My wife was shocked after a lifetime of, of suffering at work. My boss called me before the holidays and said, Eliyahu, I love you. I said, Tuli, I love you. And that's, I think, the key is this is a process. I, I, I write a lot about Gog and Magog, but the real emphasis is the Kohanim, the priests cannot go into the temple if they're in mourning because you must serve Hashem only in joy. And as this process comes hope closer, the difference between the people are going to be um, there are some people who are going to be happy about it, and some people it's going to be the worst thing possible for them is to talk about global peace and global and, 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 and everything being good in the world. They hate it, and that's the difference. So it's so important to be in joy, and I think that's going to happen inevitably. All right. And people like Ben Shapiro, I mean, we needed him. We didn't realize, yes. but I mean, if he's going to be a high-profile person out there, I mean, just people hearing things from different places, from different uh, prominent Christian groups who are coming here. And finally, mm-hmm. those like average Jews who are not paying attention, I think, are going to start paying attention and having uh, a lay be uh, regarding the Temple Mount uh, from the spiritual side. We've got all, all things uh, headed, I think, in the right direction. Would you agree? Oh, there's no, I mean, it's, it's unstoppable at this point. It's really okay. unstoppable. Here you say. Well, listen, I want people to read your stuff. They're already, you don't need me to give you recommendations. You've got a huge, huge following, but just in case, give us your, uh, any way people can contact you or your website or how, um, how would you like people, to do People can contact me. I love when people reach out to me. Um, my email is eliau at israel365.com. Uh, Adam Eliau Berkowitz is my Facebook page. Uh, the, the website is breakingisraelnews.com. Wow, and thank you so much for taking time. I understand this is your only day off, and you devoted a nice chunk of time to this interview, and I really appreciate that so, so much. And I think we learned a lot about the Kaula from you, and we look forward to seeing many more beautiful, amazing articles from you and books too, I hope. Amen, amen. And love to your wife. We should see each other at the temple, and I'll be on the lady's side, and you'll be on the men's side. We'll be dancing. (laughs) We'll wave, okay. May. Thank you so much, Eliyahu. Really appreciate it. 